As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. Hey, everybody. It's Chris Miller with the Wizards Talk podcast. Thanks for being with us. On this edition, we'll talk to former Wizard and NBA champion Brendan Haywood. Now, this podcast was pushed back because obviously the passing of Kobe Bryant changed our planning, but we want to get a chance to talk to Brendan about his days here in Washington. He has a pretty funny Gilbert Arena story and, of course, what he thinks about the Wizards moving forward. Just a reminder, our Big 20 series presented by McLean Mortgage is still up. Go to NBCSportsWashington.com to see our rankings of some of the most important sports stories over the last 20 years. So here now is my conversation with Brendan Haywood. Hey, on this edition of the Wizards Talk podcast, it's my man Gary Carter, yours truly in the building. We got a very special guest today. We do. Yeah, we got somebody that's going to help me get through. You got a couple of different things. I got a couple of issues that's going on in my basketball (laughs) world right now. So I need my guy Brendan Haywood joining us from his humble abode. B. Wood, what's up, baby? How you doing? What's up, man? I'm not at home either. I'm on the road, man. I'm, I'm in oh, the, you're on the road. I got to work today, man. I'm only coming on this show because it's you, man. I got a lot of stuff to do today. All right, let's get through it, dude. <laughs> let's do it. I want to start with, you know, what's wrong with our heels, man? What's going on? They're not that talented. I mean, you know, when you watch the games, man, you, you can see it for yourself. I mean, they were struggling with talent with Cole, and without Cole Anthony, this really isn't a talented ball club at all. I mean... I was watching the game the other day. There's there's not a lot of guys on the perimeter that can create a shot for themselves or even knock down a shot from that range. This is probably the worst team Carolina's had since uh, the year after I left. Remember the year with uh, Jason Capel and Chris Lang and those guys? Now, I, I tell you who I do remember. I think y'all yeah. were pretty good. The 8-20 and 20 year before Roy got there. Yeah, that's the team. Yeah, the year, the year after I left, that eight and 20 team with Jason bad. Capel and Chris Lang. Hmm. That was that was a hey, hey, Chris. That was a bad year. But that team would beat this team by 15. Stop it. <laughs> name a player on the win. Name by a 15? <laughs> without Cole Anthony? Without Cole Anthony, the eight-win wow. Tar Heels would beat this Tar Heel team by 15. Name a player on the wing right now they had they, that on this Carolina team that's better than Jason Cable was. Wow. You, noticed, you noticed the silence, the silence in my voice. Because yeah, I was, was going to say Robinson, but in, I didn't want to disrespect Jason Cable like that. Name a that was better than, than Chris Lang on this team. I don't think I can do it. That's, That's the problem. They, 15 points? Adam, listen, Adam Morrison would have been a godsend to this team. Not Adam Morrison, Adam Boone. Adam Boone was the point guard. Wow. It's been bad. Gary, it's yeah. been bad. So, Brian Morrison, all those guys, they, 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 would, they would kill this team. 
So how does it get to this point then, Brendan? I mean, you, you guys are a blue blood, blue blood team. You guys are up there with Duke and Kentucky. All the, how does it get to the point where Carolina struggles like this? Because Carolina basketball has so much turnover. Next year, they'll be okay. But, you but know. All these other schools have turnover, too. Yeah, but but get, but sometimes, you, sometimes man, you bet on the wrong horse. And so some of these grad transfers, they've been hitting on grad transfers. Guys sure. like Cam Johnson, they hit on him. Well, guess what? They missed on all the grad transfers this year. And so when when those guys aren't hitting, and um, some of the freshmen like Leaky Black hasn't didn't really take the step forward a lot of people thought he would take. Uh, you have a few injuries to Cole Anthony. Um, I forgot the backup point guard towards ACL. Um, they're struggling right now. They're, this is not a talented ball club. There'll be more talent coming in next year, but uh, I think basically some of the talent got overvaluated. Uh, Roy Williams was here a couple of weeks ago and had a chance to talk to him, Brendan, and he talked about just kind of how he could empathize with what Scott Brooks was going through with the Wizards because of all the, the injuries. But a, as an alum and a guy who played there, by the way, Brendan Todd Haywood was the first ever Tar Heel to ever record a triple-double against Miami. I feel like I always have to say that when I introduce you. You got to, man. Show me some love, man. I'm, I'm old now, man. I take all every of that time. Play. Every time. What was, the, what was the third stat? Obviously points and rebounds. It was blocks. Blocks? Come on, Gary. I didn't know. Maybe he had a good passing night or something. Nah, I wasn't going to be assist now, Gary. <laughs> nah, man. come on, Gary. <laughs> okay. you, you, you got... Know your personnel. Yeah. What are you trying to say, man? <laughs> I'm saying he, the man's a seven-foot center. Okay. All right. Yeah. So he was here talking about just the injuries. And then the other day, he was on his own radio show talking about you know, not a lot of talent. I took it some type of way, Brendan, where I was like, well, wait a minute. You and Coach Robinson and all your assistants are out here recruiting these kids. Now you're taking the shots at the kids. Did you see it that way? And what was your reaction when you heard that? Yeah, when I saw that, when I saw uh, Coach Williams' comments, I was a little disappointed. Um, not because he wasn't telling the truth; he was telling the truth. This is the least talented Carolina team he's 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 probably ever coached. Probably the least talented team he's coached, even when you go back to Kansas. But I didn't. All truths don't need to be said, and I don't think that that comment really needed to be out there. Um, and especially, it, it's really hard for me to see you out there talking bad about the kids when you're the guy that recruited the kids. You know, if, if you're the chef. You, you went to the store, you bought the grocery. Don't complain about the meal. Brendan, I know you had some battles with Duke through the years. Have mm. you ever had a situation that we saw recently with Kansas and Kansas State that spilled Ooh, that over? And what do you think happens there? I mean, we've seen a couple suspensions already. I mean, that was ugly. That was an ugly situation. There was some furniture moving, Gary. Just say what it what, what it was. It was an ugly, ugly situation. Yeah, I mean, what I was could... the kid? The, uh, man, listen, the the, can, the the big boy from Kansas, man, he went straight WWE, George the Animal Steel on somebody and picked up a chair. It was it was a <laughs> Chris. I see you over there laughing, man. Chris, it was, it was, it was an ugly. It was an ugly situation, man. It was an ugly situation. Um, but he's probably going to be suspended for at least ten games. Some people are calling for the season. I don't know what it's going to be, but. Um, I've never been a part of a melee like that. I think we got into it within the preseason with the Bulls one year. It got a little, it got a little rough and rowdy, but not spilling into the stands like that. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro. Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Let's get to 
your expertise, which is the National Basketball Association, <laughs> B. Wood. Let's uh, do it. Let's talk about your former team, the Washington Wizards. We knew that this was going to be a year that was transitioning into trying to develop the younger players, but they have had a, a large amount of injuries. When you look at what they've been able to do during the halfway point of this season, are you surprised and has anyone kind of come to the forefront where you didn't expect this person to have the type of production that he was having? I'm not surprised where the team is right now. Um, you, you have the injuries and they are a young team, but there are a couple of bright spots. Um, Bertans really surprised me this year. Mm-hmm. I knew he could shoot it, but I didn't know he could shoot it to this level. Um, I, I really like what Thomas Bryant has brought brought last year and this year. So I like what, what he brings to the table. Um, he's expanding his game. So those two guys really stand out as guys that surprised me. I, I knew what Bradley Beal was going to do. Bradley Beal was just going to come out here and sc- when he's healthy, he's going to score the basketball. One of the better two guards we have in this league. I think he deserves to be an all-star regardless of the Wizards record. Um, but the, the, the guys that stand out to me are Bertans and Thomas Bryant. What do you do around the trade deadline, Brendan? Uh, Davis Bertans is a name that certainly has been people have talked about. He obviously brings a component to teams that may be interested in him that, that you normally don't get. I mean, he can light it up from outside. Would you hold on to him in the hopes of seeing how he would fit in next year when John Wall comes back, or would you try to get as much as you can for him? Uh, I would have to talk to his agent. And so that's where Tommy Shepard has to get a feel for the room that he's in and understand, hey, if I talk to Tom, if I talk to Berton's agent and they sound like they really want to be back next year, then I think that he's the perfect piece to complement Bradley Beal and John Wall because when you look at that dynamic backcourt, they're going to need shooting around them so they can have space, especially John because he, he needs that space more than Brad does right now. His game is more built on athleticism, speed, and quickness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I would do. But at the same time, I would, I, would, I would get on the phone and make some calls. If somebody's desperate and they're willing to give me uh, a certain type of pick or a certain type of young player, uh, you never know what you can get. Sometimes if, if you ask, you shall receive. Mm-hmm. Look at the Phoenix Suns. They asked, and they received Kelly Oubre. Wait a minute. Am I supposed to say that on this show? No, you can say whatever you want, baby. Has <laughs> no, that surprised you while he's playing? In that situation, sometimes you can, get, you, can, you can steal a young player from a team. That's really, really good. And I, I understand that you know, there might be a sore spot with some people, but Kelly Oubre is really thriving for Phoenix. And so I would be looking for that type of situation where maybe I steal a young athletic wing if a team is desperate or a really high draft pick. But if I can't get that, I hold on to him, and hopefully we can work it out. It's clear that the Wizards want to see if the Wall-Beal connection can come back, both healthy, both in their prime, to see if they can take this organization to the next level. Brendan, first of all, do you agree with the assessment of these two guys coming back together, trying it one more again? I think you have to try it one, one more time simply because you don't have another option. Uh, John Wall signed that massive extension, and there's not going to be a lot of teams lining up to take that money on their books when you look at the fact that this guy's game is based off of speed and athleticism, and he's coming back from an Achilles and a heel surgery. And so we, we've seen guys come back from one, but normally we haven't seen a guy being forced to come back from a double surgery. So teams are going to want to make sure that he's healthy. Uh, so if you trade John Wall right now, you're not going to get anything back. I'm not even sure if you can trade him because the money is so big. So the Wizards only have one option. Put those guys together, put them out there, and see if it works out. From that standpoint, what do you expect to see from John when he's back next year? 100% no. from what we saw? Is it is 80% of John what, what we're used to better than what you'd normally get from a point guard? Man, I, I, honestly, everybody comes back from an injury is different. Everybody's body's different. So I, w- I won't say what I think John will be next year because I honestly have no clue. Um, 
but I know that he's getting older now. He's not old, but he's getting older. So he's going to have to make some adjustments to his game. He's going to have to be able to consistently hit shots from somewhere on the court, whether we're talking about from the mid range or from three, because whether it's the Achilles or whether it's simply father time, your game has to evolve as you get older because you're not going to be as fast and as quick. So we'll see how that works out for the Wizards. I think they have to go back out there, run these two guys out there together. And if John is healthy and he does have that burst, this backcourt is right up there with all the other top backcourts. I would totally agree with that. Absolutely. Especially the fact that they are maturing and their games have evolved. Brendan, who is the best team in the NBA that you've seen with your own eyes this year? Man, that's tough. The best team or the best who I think is going to win? The best team is the, to me has been the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. Well, like when you look at where they are from an offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency standpoint, um, I, think they got, I think they have the reigning MVP that is going to be the MVP again in uh, the Greek Freak. Uh, I really like where this team is at right now, and they're playing at a very high level. Um, I think at the end, my favorite to win it would be the Clippers. I like their talent level, but just the best team right now, I would have to say, is the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm with you on the Bucks, but there's something about them. If they get into a street fight, I just want to see how tough they are. But you're right. All of the numbers show you that they're a dominant basketball team. But I love the Clippers. I've loved them since day one. But this notion of, like, load management, Brendan, and, like, the fact that Kawhi and PG have only played a certain amount of games and really to get the entire unit together, they haven't played enough. And you're starting to hear Montrez and Lou saying, we got to get our chemistry down. I feel like we're not as good as we can be. And then Kawhi saying, hey, man, listen. Trust the process. It's all good. He's talking from championship pedigree. Do you think the Clippers will have enough time, even if they don't make any moves, that once the playoff starts, they can get all this stuff figured out? I think they'll have enough time because I I don't think we're going to see as much load management down the stretch of the season. Um, Maybe Kawhi's still not playing in back-to-backs. But how many back-to-backs are they going to have down the stretch of the season? It's not like they're going to have 15. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that Paul George is out right now, not due to load management, but due to a hamstring injury. So once Paul George gets healthy, and we get past the all-star break, I think they'll have plenty of time to gel. Um, I think they have enough players defensively and enough players offensively to really um, win the West and and just make it a tough series on anybody they play against because most teams have a big two right now, and they have that with Kawhi and Paul George. But then they got that third guy that can come off the bench for about 40 or 50, and that's (laughs) Lou Will. And then you still got Montrez inside. So they have a lot of different pieces they can throw at you right now, and that's why I think the Clippers – are, in my mind, are the favorites to win it. I like them a little bit better than the Lakers, a little bit better than Milwaukee. Um, Milwaukee right now, I, I love their talent. I do have some questions. Will Giannis be able to hit enough shots and enough free throws down the stretch in close ball games to win? That's a big-time question. But, you know, Milwaukee's the best team right now. I see the Clippers uh, holding the trophy at the end of the season. Brendan, give me a sleeper team from the East and the West to keep an eye out on. Uh, sleeper team in the East. I think the sleeper team in the East would probably be – the Toronto Raptors. And when you look at that the team... The defending champs are the sleeper team, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, no, because know, normally, well, normally the defending champs don't lose their best player. Sure. And sure. by a free agency. Normally you don't win a title and be like, all right, that's all, folks. God bless you <laughs> uh, And that's pretty much what happened. But when you look at where Pascal Siakam has taken his game, yep. he's gone from being a role player. He was in a G League a couple years ago to being a guy averaging 24 points a game, shooting like 39% from three. So when you look at where his game is, you look at Van Vliet, you look at Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka still has something left in the tank. When Gasol went out, Serge Ibaka had like eight to nine straight double-doubles in a row. 
they still have the pieces to give to to frustrate teams and beat you in the Eastern Conference, and no one's talking about them. Yeah, they're they're defending champs, but when we talk about the East, we talk about Boston a little bit. We for some reason we keep talking about Philly like we're not watching the television and seeing that <laughs> Philly's us down. Talk like, to we keep, we keep talking about Philly, but I don't. I'm not a believer. My my, my eyes are telling me they're not going to get it done. So we talk about Philly, we talk about Milwaukee, we talk about Boston. I don't think enough people are talking about the Toronto Raptors and the fact that Pascal Siakam has really stepped up well being the leader of this team. And Van Vliet, the point guard of the future, is playing well. Now, and now they're, in, now they're healthy mm-hmm. because they went through a rash of injuries. Now they're healthy. And Kyle Lowry quietly is averaging 20-8. and eight. He's having a, a, a way better year than he had last year also. So don't sleep on the Raptors. What about yeah, out West? Norman Powell, too. Norman Powell's been great. Yeah, no, oh, Norman Powell, yeah, he's the other night. Yes. Yeah. What about out West? Man, out West, I'm not this is, they're not a sleeper team. It's just a team that gets overlooked. I would say the Utah Jazz. Ooh. With the way the Utah Jazz are playing right now, um, they found something that worked, which is a little unique because they were playing better without Mike Conley Jr., and now they're bringing him off the bench. I'm not sure how long they're going to do that, but I, I actually like the way the team is playing. Mm-hmm. Um, Donovan Mitchell, I think he's going to be an all-star this year. Rudy Gobert should be an all-star. And then when you look at one of the off-season acquisitions, um, Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich averaging 21 points, mm-hmm. shooting 41% from three. So when you have a guy like that on your team, they have all the pieces because they have the wing players. Um, Joe Ingles is playing well, too. So they have the wing players to frustrate you. But then they got the big fella inside to shut down the paint. And if they ever get on the same page with Mike Conley Jr., watch out. So I like where Utah is right now. Hmm. Brendan, they've gone back from the big three to now there's a big two. It seems like big men are back in vogue again. We back, baby. We in style. Hey, man, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, all of a sudden. Big men in skinny jeans. We back. (laughs) Do you feel like that the league is kind of turning that corner back to where the big men are not only relevant, but you can actually run some offense through them. I think the big men are relevant now because big men play differently. Okay. So what happened was big men, of course, when I played, they played on the block. They played 15 feet on in. And then the Golden State Warriors came along and they made everybody believe that you had to shoot a ton of threes. Mm -hmm. And then teams went out there and tried to be, be the Golden State Warriors and they didn't have the Golden State Warriors personnel and it didn't look good. And now you have big guys that are 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", but they're able to play inside and outside. You have a guy like the Greek freak that is 6'11", but he can basically, he's not, he's a big, but he's not really a big. He's a hybrid. Uh, you, so you have so many of these bigs that can float all over the court and do multiple things that now um, you see, a, you see the game is not, I think the misconception is the game is about point guard play. The game is about how many guys do you have from about 6'5 to 6'11", 7 feet that can do multiple things on both ends of the court. You got a lot of those guys, you can win. Positionless how basketball. Many, That's how, a great many team, point. how many teams have won a championship where an undersized point guard has been their best player? Isaiah Thomas. That's it. Isaiah Thomas, and maybe if you want to go Golden State, but they did beat the Cleveland Cavaliers team that was very beat up. Right. I was on that team. I watched that. I didn't get in, but I watched a lot of that series. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and with no Kyrie, with no Kyrie, no Kevin Love, LeBron was still LeBron was still able to take that team to six games because he's one of those guys I talked about. Six eight does multiple things. So when you look at where the game is right now, I think it's it's all about dy- uh, dynamic wings and bigs that are dynamic as well. You know what's interesting about basketball, and I, I watch a lot of you know the the EYBL, the AAU, the high level basketball right now, Brendan. I'm seeing a lot of these kids. I see a lot of the hybrids, 
But the one thing is, I'm wondering if the love of the game is still front and center for a lot of these kids. And I want to get your take on it. You know, you went to Dudley. You're from Greensboro. I mean, basketball mattered to you when you were little, and you got an opportunity to get a scholarship at Carolina. You played in the pros. You won a title. But I always thought with you, like, you thought the game, and you were athletic enough to play in the league, and you cared about it. Do you get the sense that kids today still have the love of the game as front and center in their mind? Yeah, I think kids I think kids still love the game, man. Honestly, I think you have to say that kids love the game because now they focus more on the game than we than we did from a skill standpoint. Mm-hmm. So when I was coming up, yeah, we played AAU was just we went there, ran through the plays and then we just played pickup. Mm-hmm. Now these guys have trainers. They're getting actual training. They're these kids when they're younger, they're getting training all year long to be good at basketball. They're getting like, you know, if you're really good at 11 years old, you're not just going to the local YMCA playing pickup ball with your friends. You have a trainer working on your skills. Well, guess what? If you're working on your skills at 11, you love you love basketball. Because at 11, man, I wanted to play John Madden. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to play my video games. And so these kids, I think, have a love for the game. But they also have a lot of outlets to do everything else. And we see them doing a lot of other things. So you know how it is. When you see a guy that's playing basketball, but he's also rapping and talking about a fashion line. You think his heart isn't in the game. His heart's in the game. He just got free time to do other stuff as well. The Wizards game in Milwaukee on Tuesday night is a marquee matchup presented by Sandy Spring Bank. The Bucks and the Greek Freak currently lead the Eastern Conference as he seeks a second straight MVP award. Corey Alexander was in with us uh, a little while ago, and he had mentioned to us, Chris, that he was learning stuff he teaches kids now in camps who are eighth graders what he was learning in his second year in the NBA. That's crazy. Yep. That's how far the game has evolved. When yeah, it comes the, the to game. The game is the game is advanced so much, man. Like when you watch some of these kids play, and when you watch some of the skill training, you're like, yo, that guy's doing moves that <laughs> ten years ago, like you said, you were a rookie in the NBA before you did that. Right. You know, you were a second or third year player in the league. Before you before you learn that move, and these kids are learning it now. I what? Hey, Chris, I was watching Gilbert Arenas' son yesterday on uh, on Instagram. Uh-huh. He hit a, he hit a kid with an in and out in and out with his left hand, then went behind the back for a step back three. <laughs> like your son can't be, but like eleven, like those moves weren't available when I was eleven, man. <laughs> these kids love these kids love these kids love the game. They they love the game, but you know. It, it, it's a lot of other things to do out there. And you know how the older generation, I don't want to be the get off my lawn guy. Like, these kids. No, I am. <laughs> back in my day, these kids. Like, no, nah, I don't want to be that man. I don't want to be that guy. Brendan Haywood joining us here on the Wizards Talk podcast, Natural Transition. You were talking about Gilbert. Gilbert is also training LeBron James's son, Bronny James. And it's it's so interesting to see the guys that you and Antoine and Karan and Antonio, all you guys, what you've done since playing the game i'm not surprised that many of you are in broadcasting i told you when you were playing i thought you were going to do a fantastic job at it you were even broadcasting mystics games while you were a player for the wizards talk to me about life after basketball but still staying close to the game being a broadcaster what have you learned most about being on this side of the microphone whoa 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 whoa! let's not skip over one glaring fact People are letting Gilbert Arenas train their kids. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day. They, they, let, they let Gil train kids? Man, I'm going to call child services on LeBron, man. Hey. <laughs> hey, who got the number for CPS, man? I don't hey. know how you follow that up. <laughs> when, they, 
Big Deal Train Kids, man. I thought he was banned. <laughs> you got a family. Hey. You're not supposed to be kids unsupervised, man. Hey, listen. Apparently, he's doing a really good job because Brody's good. He's really no, good. It, honestly, it doesn't surprise me because I've seen Gil work out. You've seen Gil work yeah. out. Like, Gil was one of the most, most misunderstood players ever because people just thought he was a goofball that just walked in the gym. Gil was one of the hardest workers from a skill standpoint you ever wanted to see. So it's not surprising that his son is skilled because I know his dad taught him a lot. It's not surprising that he's able to teach some of these kids some skills because he knows a lot about the game. I'm just surprised parents just drop their kids <laughs> off and keep hey, you know, I- <laughs> I'm going to be surprised if Nick Young actually drops his kid off to let Gilbert actually trade him. That'll be the funny one. Yeah, that that would be hilarious. That would be that that would definitely be hilarious. But on on the on the serious note though, I did play with a lot of guys that understood the game of basketball, and that's why you see so many of us doing other things and transitioning to the the other side of basketball now that we've been retired. Um, guys like Karan, Karan Butler, Anthony, uh, Anthony Davis, Antonio Daniels, um we're all in the media aspect of it. Um, Antoine Jameson now, he's in the front office with you guys, and he did media for a little while. So we, we played with a lot of, I played with a lot of guys that had their head in the game that understood that you weren't going to be able to do this forever, and they, were, they had, you have to have something to do once you're done playing basketball. Even if you saved your money, you got to have something to do with your right. time. Speaking, of, hey, go, speaking of somebody that is still playing the game, if I would have told you <laughs> – 10 years ago that Vince <laughs> Carter would still be playing right now at 73 years old, you would have said what? Man, I would have been like, no way Vince Carter's going to still be playing right now, man. I mean, 176 years old, man. <laughs> Joe Lewis always lied about his age. He lied about his age all the time. One time, Frank Sinatra comes out here and sat down in this chair. And I said, Frank, you hang out with Joe Lewis. Just between me and you, how old is Joe Lewis? You know what Frank told me? He said, hey. Joe Lewis, 137 years old. 137 years old. How is he actually out here on these NBA floors competing? Vince was always a freak of nature athlete. And then as he got older, he really started learning how to take care of his body better. Um, but just when you're when you're a top top of the line athlete, when you when you come down, when you start to slow down a little bit, that just means the rest of the pack can catch you. But when mm-hmm. Vince was in his prime, uh, you know, other he was just that athletic that other guys couldn't touch him. Um, and also, he, he did something that I think is very important is he changed his mentality. And most yeah. stars can't do that. Most guys can't go from star to role player because that's humbling. That's very to be, to be the guy on all the commercials and, and getting all the post-game interviews to being the guy that might not get in, you know, that's humbling. Like I did that my last year, and I wasn't even a star. I went from role player to bench player. I didn't like it. So to go from yeah. role player, from, from, all, from all-star, face of the league, to a guy that is a, a, a role-playing veteran that helps out the young guys in the locker room, uh, I, I have to salute Vince Carter because that means he took pride and ego out of the picture and he just did a good did, did a good job prolonging his career. You know, right, my guy's would, like that, too, yeah, by the way. Carmelo. Who, who, oh, definitely Melo. That's my guy. Well, and he started. Don't get Brendan started. Uh-oh. What? what? About Melo, I hear. Oh, no. I hear chasing. What about him? I hear chip chasing. You like who? it? Who? Melo. Melo's chip chasing. Yeah. Melo who? Carmelo Anthony, you don't think he got a chance in Portland? To get a chip? <laughs> See. What type of chip? Potato, Potato chip. Potato chip. Are you serious? Tortilla chip. Man, they might not even make the playoffs, man. They're not. If... Dude, that's true. Come on, man. That's true. What, what is he? What type of? He's not chip chasing. I, I, in all seriousness, though, I'm glad they gave Carmelo another shot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad because it seemed like a lot of doors were closed in his face for no reason. Um, but now nah, he, he's not chip chasing Portland. I'm dead serious. I'm watching them. 
Like, it took 61 in overtime for them to beat the Golden State Warriors. Man, they're not winning a chip. And this ain't, this ain't, this right. ain't last year's Warriors. Yeah. All right, B-Way, I'm going to finish on this Clyde Drexler ain't walking through that door. Terry <laughs> Porter ain't walking through that door. I'm going to finish on this one. Your favorite Martin episode. Oh, man. That's the toughest question you didn't ask me, uh-huh. man. For folks that don't know, Brendan and I are Martin, the TV show Martin that was in the 90s with aficionados. Martin Lawrence. Aficionados. I, 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 hey, listen, man. I'm going to call I Darren, got, too, and I'm going to ask him. I, I, well, Dar- Darren, Darren's going to give you the same answer, I think. My favorite Martin episode. <sighs> I'll tell you what he said. He said it was I don't know, my, 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 hold, hold on, I got you. My favorite Martin episode got to be Varnell Hill. <laughs> Varnell, the Varnell man can, yes. Dar- our friend the Darren Varnell Jenkins, Hill. who's a Varnell PR Hill. guy that's, for that's the... That's my favorite uh, one with Tommy Davidson. Got you. Darren, our, Darren Jenkins, the mm-hmm. PR guy for the Wizards. His favorite one is the DMV. B. Wood, I'm going to go with um, the Players Club. When Martin mm-hmm. walked into the barbershop and he said, Yuck Mouth, that's the second time somebody called me Yuck Mouth today. <laughs> Hey, listen, there's so many classic episodes, man. Yeah, man. Yo, I was watching one, the one the other night with uh, with, with, with Hustle, with Hustle Man Hustle talking man. about pick up the pieces. Oh, man. Well, he had the uh, he had the kazoo on a saxophone, and he was... Uh, Hustle Marsalis. Hustle Marsalis. <laughs> did you see Bad Boys uh, for Life yet? Bad Boys for Life, great movie, and Martin did a great see? job. Okay. Yeah. Some people said Martin lost a little velocity on his fastball. Nah, man. I thought Martin. I thought Martin was very funny in the movie. Like, like the second half, the half about the second half of the movie. I thought Martin really got some really good jokes that fit the movie very well. Yeah. Okay. So you like highly, the first you part, the first part it? they were setting you up. Then the second half of the movie really kicked in. So you recommend it for the viewing public? Go check out. Bad yeah, Boys go Life. check it out, man. Definitely gotta go 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 see that. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, it's a couple scenes in there. I was like, okay, y'all ain't have to do that, but I, I won't but, ruin it for you. No, no, yeah. I haven't yet. Be Wood. Honor and privilege yeah. always, my brother. Thank you. Hey, man. Hey, go get the hey, go get them kids, man. Don't leave get along with them kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. Hey, listen, man. Hey, listen. Well, you got to get out ahead of this thing before something happens. Now. Hey, listen. Hey, I'm not gonna lie. Hey, with the game on the line, I probably don't want nobody else shooting the ball, but it's outside of Gill and his prime, out of guys that I played with, with the game on the line. But with my kid's life on the line, they the last person I'm going to call. I'm gone. Bye, man. <laughs> and thank you, everybody, for listening to this latest edition of the Wizards Talk Podcast. <laughs> One second left. Hey, boys. Yes. Oh. Recognize, big fella.